What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Recalling Saul, a podcast that recaps AMC's Better Call Saul, starring Bob Odenkirk, Jonathan Banks, Giancarlo, I almost fucked that up, Giancarlo, it's hard to say that, Esposito, and more. I am Justin, here with Pat. Oh my God, Pat. Are you alive? Are you in, Are you safe? On lockdown, haven't left the apartment in a yeah. week. It's uh, yeah, a slight exaggeration. It's not the biggest uh, exaggeration. No, I mean, it, it's, it's getting real serious over here, and it seems as though the only thing we will have is TV. <laughs> okay, let me, I mean, at, at risk of, uh, I am getting a little more nervous about it, I'll say, but. Uh, You're just a nervous guy. I have to say, I am, I feel as though they're, the reporting to me is getting to me more than anything. Like, I feel like the reporting is making everyone nervous. Things getting canceled makes people nervous, right? Yes, like, and, and stuff like should be based on like the stuff that's coming out of like Korea and Italy and shit like stuff I guess should be canceled uh but also you see like in the news like people are raiding grocery stores for toilet paper and water and uh they aren't mm-hmm. that isn't true like I'll log on to reddit uh and I don't post on reddit just before anybody uh asks me about that I just use it for news but I'll see like pictures of like no toilet paper available anywhere in Hollywood and then I'll be like I'm at Target in Hollywood right now buying mm-hmm. toilet paper. It's fine. Like, no, no one cares. <laughs> what is toilet paper gonna do again? That's the thing. Like, I think people like people don't really know what a quarantine is or something. Like, I guess they just think like, wow, I I know I don't know anything, but I know I'll need toilet paper. And also, like, the buying of water bottles doesn't really make sense to me. Like, do they think that the like that tap water is going to get contaminated with coronavirus. Like that's, that's crazy. Yeah. It, and I mean, it, it, it's funny because like, even where I work at now, like they have not officially told us not to come to work yet. And I'm just like, don't have everyone in, in your, in your place of working worried about this virus. Like just, just alleviate everyone's stress and just send them home. Like just, just let us work from home. Like, yeah, it's fine. I mean, everything I do is on the computer anyway for work. Right. So it's whatever. Yeah. So uh, as as we all go through a, a panic, I'm hoping that everyone listening is uh, doing the right thing and, and doing everything you can to stay safe. And, yeah. And for, for us, the right thing is watching Better Call Saul at uh, 1.30 p.m. on a Tuesday. Well, that's what you did. I watched it last night. <laughs> I had, oh, you, you're much better about watching it at night than I am. <laughs> I watch it right after Raw. So, I mean, it's that. Then I go right into wrestling mode for a show. Then I'm right into Better Call Saul mode. So. You see that if you listen to all of our shows, you see the different styles of, of Justin. Yeah, all I'm, I'm moving on to Raw after this, and then I'm finishing the Turtles franchise. Jeez, we're of course we're going to be reviewing the Turtles franchise uh, on late fees. We're, we have we're earmarked to record that this week, but with Corona Mania, I'm not sure if we'll be doing that in person. I don't think we've talked about that yet. I, uh, I mean, Eric works so close to my apartment, uh, and you and Cam could get up here pretty fast during the day, but who, who the fuck knows? All right. So we'll, we'll, I mean, whatever. we'll see. We'll see if we'll all be able to do it and, and 
you know, we'll, we'll get that episode out to you expeditiously. But in case you don't uh, know or, you know, you need any updates, follow us on Twitter at RNC Radio Live. And, of course, follow and subscribe to this channel as well, RNC Watch, uh, on Apple and Spotify. Leave us a comment. Leave us five stars. Tell us what you want to hear. Uh, but let's jump into Better Call Saul, episode four, Namaste. Of course, Namaste is the uh, is the the license plate uh, of Howard's car, which we'll get to a little bit later. Yeah, yeah. In the show, um, last week it was a, it was a lot going on. Uh, it was very much a down, kind of like a downer episode. Uh, you got Kim and you got Saul. Uh, pretty much, you know, at, at their wits end and they feel like they're under the thumb of all of their bosses and, and the many things that they have to take care of and, and worry about. Uh, we opened the show uh, with a flash forward, which, you know, they love doing this. Vincent and Peter and the crew, they love doing the flash forwards. You see Saul in a pawn shop already planning a new grift, I think, uh, for, you know, before we even knew what it was. But he finds he's trying to find a projectile. Like, what did you think when you saw him? trying to lift these things was he looking for workout equipment was he looking what I, I actually did think he like i thought at first because the my first inclination was that if he was looking for something that you could hide something inside of uh the show is this show to some degree in breaking bad even more historically did like the they had so many devices that were basically uh the shaving cream can from jurassic park yeah uh like that type of thing. So I thought he was trying to like make something like that, but then he did start basically doing kettlebell exercises. Exactly. And I was like, well, he might be getting, uh, getting fit. Maybe yeah. He's yeah. Order to be fit. But of course that's not, uh, it was obviously a weapon by the time he bought the bowling balls, but I didn't know why he fucking needed three. The, uh, I mean, we'll get to that, but I think it was, it was, yeah. uh, to, to, to narrow the margin of error. Yes. <laughs> and yes. what he's doing. Um, we opened officially to the show. Kim and Saul, this is this is literally picking right back up after episode three. Their apartment is a mess. You see Bob Odenkirk naked. Have we ever seen Bob Odenkirk naked? No, a little bit of side ass. Yeah, a little bit of side action. Got I will profile. say it, it actually was, uh, obviously, like they, you know, had, had a few beers and uh, <laughs> uh, had, had fun. But uh, it was, it actually was, it is almost never and this wasn't like a full like nude scene or anything but nudity is so rarely used for actual plot uh purposes but this actually like it is kind of crucial information to know that they actually fucked because like there is romance left in their lives yeah and that they have sex yeah yeah so like that is actually important information to know where their relationship stands um i mean more than that to your point it only seems like they're intimate when they're when they're doing their their addiction, which is the grift, which is, yeah, which is yeah. slipping. Slipping is their is their addiction, and that's the only time in their relationship where there is any fun. And, and that seems, I mean, we'll talk more about this at the very end, but that seems uh, like it's really taking them down a bad path. Yeah, for, for sure. And and uh, that I mean, essentially, this seems to be where they're at now. They don't even, they're not excited about finding a future together or getting a house. Like, like we saw in the last episode, you know, they're only excited about, you know, ripping people off. So um, another thing that, that, that happens here, and I think this, this even, I didn't even expect to get to this point, but, or, or even to connect this to this. So thank you, Pat, for this, but uh, they go downstairs and they see the bottle still on the ground. And Jimmy says, the building will take care of it. You know, that's what we pay rent for. And then, you know, he tells he tells Kim to go about her day. She says she's going to make the day better. And then you see Kim 
cleaning up the mess anyway. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, I mean, just says a lot about the difference between the two of them. Yeah, and, and essentially, she's not in slipping mode anymore. She's in corporate mode, and she's like, no, we have to clean this up. And again, like, to, to, to your point, you see that there's the romance there, but the romance only rears its head when there's something very devious going on. And when it's yeah. done, they have nothing in common anymore. Yeah, they're just like, they've grown to be like two totally different people. Exactly. Uh, we go right to, and, and again, this is a very Saul-heavy episode, by the way. For the first time in quite some time, uh, I think Saul gets about 85% of the episode. I think Nacho wasn't in it at all. Yeah, no Nacho this episode either. Uh, how'd you feel about having a more Saul-centric episode uh, this time around? It was good. It uh, it allowed us to see him like in a, a lot of modes, obviously, especially when he's helping the two uh, the two guys who one end up going with a public defender. And we've never really seen him doing that. Like he's bragging about being Saul to really the only people he could possibly be bragging about that to right now. But it is, you know, seeing a pretty early stage of him, uh, of him doing that. Like yeah. he's, he's, he's gone into full, like, at least to these guys, he can be the big shot lawyer that he eventually like sees himself as. So we, we see Saul uh, with the tweakers from episode two. They're back. How do you, you feel about seeing the, 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 the crystal meth heads? Uh, it, was back good. The I mean, it was good to see the same guys. Yeah. And then it's like, again, this show loves, and, and they, they do a callback to, to season four as well, this episode two. They love the callbacks. And I think with Saul being such a, a slower, more methodical show, um, it, it, it can be hard to pick up on these things. I think we even had confusion with the uh, picture that Mike was looking at in the bar with like, okay, where's that from? And we had to actually go yeah. back and, and see what that reference was from because the show is a lot more dense than Breaking Bad. And, and I think, like, do you think that's the reason why it turns a lot of people off? I, I think, that, you know, not a lot of people watch the show. I think the biggest turnoff, honestly, is, uh, is just that they people don't, know that there's any crime element to it. I think they yeah. think it's like just a procedural legal drama or something. Uh, I, it, you know, it obviously isn't like that at all, but I think it's just too, even though it is a pretty, like if you wanted to watch, be watching a crime show, it easily qualifies as that. But I think it's just too kind of understated for people. Like Breaking Bad wasn't really, I mean, it was understated in a lot of ways, but it was still like pretty blockbustery in a lot of moments. Oh, 100%. And all the characters were like, uh, you know, the, the characters were louder on Breaking Bad than they are in this show. And, you know, it was just bigger. So I think people just kind of, A, were tired of the of the world. And, you know, it's like if, if they announced a, not that Game of Thrones went out in the same fashion as Breaking Bad, uh, but if they announced that one of the Game of Thrones prequels was like just somebody working in the library, it would not have the same audience as, yeah, it is half that, but the other half of the show is the combat shit that you love. Yeah. Uh, even if that existed, it would be hard to convince people to watch it if the initial sell was the library shit, which is essentially the case with this show. So uh, he, he tries to cut them a deal where they have to go to uh, rehab, essentially do five months, and then and then do some community service. Of course, that's that's an easy deal. They should be able yeah, to do that. Yeah, they have like the time of their lives. So he charges them four thousand dollars, and that is fifty percent off. And they scoff at this and threaten to get a public defender or what Saul calls a public pretender. And <laughs> he, he cuts the promo promos, and I mean, he's starting to sound kind of like the old slash new him, but exactly. 
uh, he basically says, hey, like, I'm Saul Goodman. I'm, I'm the guy that people come to. And I'm the guy that, that you know, he, I just got paid $8,000 just for the afternoon. And, of course, he's referencing uh, Lalo and Nacho from last yeah. episode. But, you know, again, like, he's starting to to feel a lot more comfortable in this new persona. And I think that's the duality of this show as well, is that Saul is not. And, and you know what? In, in a lot of ways, this makes me rethink his character in Breaking Bad, too, because I now know that he's not really like that. And we never got to see Saul in some of his uh, most private and intimate moments on Breaking Bad, obviously, because the show wasn't about him. But now we kind of get a clue as to who he was when, when the cameras weren't on him on that show. Yeah, and it does color, like you mentioned, he was just like a pretty miserable guy behind the scenes of Breaking Bad. Not not, yeah. not Odenkirk, the, the, the character. Yeah. And again, it's really a, uh, you know, it's it's a testament to how well they write the show. And I say this every episode, yeah. but also a testament to how we're starting to see in a lot of ways. I don't know if you'll like co-sign on this, but like, I feel like the way he's breaking bad, so to speak, is a lot more defined. And it feels as though it's a lot clearer than with Walt, where they would go back on it and they kind of make Walt, you know, even though Vince and everyone would say, Walt's always been the bad guy. There were always moments where, where Walt, you know, you wanted to root for him. Like when he, when he uh, went off on the cop and got, and got maced in the face, yeah. you know, like that, those, those types of things where it's like, he stands up to the, to the, you know, the system or the machine and he gets shut down with Saul. Yeah. It's, a, it's a lot more defined than that. Like he's always been kicked in, in a lot of ways, his, his life is not that much different from Walt's in a lot of ways where he's being kicked by the system, but he's still managing to fight back in, in a lot more defined way than Walt was. I mean, yeah, obviously he does he doesn't have the like uh, initial tragic reason to become like he has a fucked up relationship with his brother and stuff, but it's that isn't painted in the same light as uh, as Walt's cancer is obviously. Right. Uh, and right. I think that Jimmy is like probably like Walt. I mean, they they both are like manipulative guys, uh, and the only reason that I think we kind of look at them differently is that you know at the end of Breaking Bad, uh, spoiler alert, uh, Walt <laughs> dies. And at the end of this show, that's not going to be the case. Like, we know that there's a character after this show. So in one case, we're watching somebody, like, barrel towards the end and lose everything and die. But in this case, we're watching somebody barrel towards the end, probably lose everything in becoming the character we actually know instead of dying. And then, actually, he does it again at the end of Breaking Bad because he has to become Gene. Yeah. Uh, so he, they essentially, they essentially uh, the tweakers, that is, they essentially agree to, to do uh, the deal and cut the deal and they're going to pay him the $4,000. And out of and their grandmother. Saul is like very happy to be taking like four grand from this guy's grandmother to do this. Like he's, he's already, uh, you know, he's not doing anything exactly noble here. No, and, but I mean, within 24 hours, he's pocketed $12,000. So yeah. I mean, he's he. It's this is going swimmingly for him yeah, <laughs> in this yeah. first couple of days. Uh, he does uh, meet up with Howard uh, from HHM, uh, who, as you guys will remember, uh, worked with his brother Chuck, and they essentially, I mean, iced him out of his inheritance, and that is, uh, you know, Hamlin Howard McGill, and they and out of deals that they that he brought to them a few times. Yes, absolutely, and. Um, they meet for lunch and you know i think howard asks a question that is going is very very vital to this show essentially and that is who is saul goodman and 
you know, he says he's the friend to the friendless. He's the he's the guy who fights for the little for for the for the little man. He is the uh, he is the slingshot for for David to use against Goliath. And Howard, you know, he says that you know Jimmy could have done that too. And he kind of surmises that Jimmy changed his name because he was jilted by HHM, and he offers him to work there. To which Saul, you know, kind of almost rebuffs him, but he starts. He, he tells him to think on it. What do you think about this altruistic turn from Howard? Uh, is this going to lead to more trouble, troubles down the line with Kim, or is this more kind of framing where uh, Saul's mindset is now? Well, I think, I mean, just on the surface, we watched Saul, like, basically has, like, yes, he did, he did make 12 grand in the past 24 hours or so, but he's doing it, like, you know, at great risk to, you know, his reputation at best and at worst, you know, his, you know, getting going to jail for what he does. But if he went back to HHM, he could, uh, you know, he wouldn't be in charge and he wouldn't be getting off on slipping, but he yeah. could become an actual successful lawyer. Like if he wanted to just make money as a lawyer and be successful, he's throwing away another opportunity to get out that Kim probably would have uh, liked him to have taken. Uh, I also like Howard, like having this, this turn and like the namaste license plate and everything. Is he just like supposed to be like Zen all of a sudden? Is that his like, <laughs> like this weird turn? Well, that was my problem with it. And it, you know, it's not, it hasn't really been explained or, or clarified, but it's like, why is Howard doing this now? It feels kind of. It's kind a little of bit odd. of a plot construct more than like, I, I just don't know what's, yeah, like what, what did he have like a near death experience? Like what's the what's the reason for this happening? Yeah, we get no framework or 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 even any type of and I I like do you feel as though this is going to be expanded upon? Like he, he's not in the ne- next time on. I don't feel like he's going to return very often this season. There's really no reason to go back to HHM. It felt like this was again more of like you said a, a plot device to really show everyone, hey, he saw Goodman now. It, it reminds me of in Breaking Bad when um, when when Walt met with uh, Gretchen and he tells her, fuck you. Yes. And that's yeah. when I thought that Saul was going to do that, but I was like, that might have been a little bit too on the nose. It's literally the same type of scene as that. But they, you know, they ended up going through with it anyway. But it just seemed like it was a very weird scene, you know, for, for them to do. Um, another thing I have a problem with, and I mean, stop me if, if I'm wilding out here. No, no, go ahead. We, we go to Kim and she is she's uh, meeting with Mesa Verde and I immediately checked out. I do not. Does anyone understand the politics of the Mesa Verde stuff or anyone? No, no, not even understand. Does anyone care about it? Like, I, it's it is the one part of the show where exactly what we were talking about earlier. It is like, oh, what is like it, it's a good you know, it's a good way to show that Kim is, you know, conflicted in what she's doing or whatever. And I think that the guy who plays her boss is pretty good. I don't know his name or anything, the, like, Southern guy. Uh, I like him. But, like, even, like, on its nose, like, her play was so obviously, like, oh, we'll save all this money and we don't have to kick out this guy I'm sad about. Like, it's just not that, you know, great of a plot. It's not. And this has been stretched. What when did Mesa Verde come into the picture? I feel like it's been in the entire show. Has it? I, thought, I feel like it was season two. Yeah, was I, I just—I don't think it has. I just feel like it, it has. Like it's time to move on from from Mesa Verde. Like now it's just this presence in the show more than anything else. Yeah, and, it, and it, it, it's acting now as a logjam between Kim and Saul, 
uh, and they're moving their story forward. But it's like you're going to put them right back into this again. It's like it's rearing its head here. And essentially, uh, Kim is trying to divert the company away from Acker's land. It doesn't work. And, you know, I, I get the sentiment here, but I feel as though this scene could have been given to maybe more Nacho or, or more Mike yeah. for this episode. Because I thought Mike, it, like, I thought Mike was completely useless here in episode four as well, where I was just like, why didn't you just put Nacho in this place? Yeah, and I think that the the Mesa Verde thing, just to kind of put a, a bow on that, it, it like clearly is going to be important going forward uh, between Kim and Saul, like you said. But it isn't. I don't know about the way they chose to get there uh, with like just another, you know, like this was them showing that Kim has really made every effort to make this happen before she lets Saul run some scheme with her because yeah. that we didn't really need this scene to show that. I don't think. No. Uh, but the uh, the the thing with Mike in this episode, it made like it it gives a little more definition to like, oh, he's just like drinking nonstop and like looking for trouble and not just looking for trouble, but like being very stupid, but it still was more or less the same like dumb thing as last week. And if all that really needed to happen was uh, he gets stabbed to be like rescued by some mysterious force. And like, then he's on like a farm in Mexico. uh, They could have done that any other way and also had this plot where he's fighting with his daughter or daughter-in-law and granddaughter and drinking too much. They could have had that and the ending without having this like, uh, you know, like why didn't, instead of walking past these guys who he fights twice, why didn't he just, you know, like after he has him take the sign down in the bar outside of the bar, why doesn't some other bar patron be like, Hey, like you were an asshole in there, like making him take down that sign. And then they get into a fight and Mike gets like stabbed or something. Like what's the, well, why think, the fuck did that all happen? I think it was again showing, and I might be overthinking this, have the, the half measures of Mike, right? He, it was a half measure for him to just break the guy's arm, right? Yeah. It was a half measure for him to not go all the way. It was a half measure for him not to take care of the problem when it was in front of him that night. And that's where that, you know, that's where that's going. But like, this is the first time we've ever seen Mike be told no and him have to deal. You know, like Mike is not a person that is, he gets told no. The only time he's ever been outsmarted was when Walt, you know, forcibly done, has done so. And I think it's important to show that for his character. But I think, again, you know, you, you know the, the episode leaves us with it with a cliffhanger of him, you know, in Mexico. We don't know where he's at. We don't know what the purpose is. Yeah, but, and actually, I, it just it looked like the way the show has designed Mexico in the past. There was oh, nothing it's, that it's, Mexico. It's absolutely Mexico. Yeah, right. I, I feel as though this is going to be some type of Gus plot. I yeah. think I think Gus absolutely has Mike watched at all times, and I think that either one of those guys either works for Gus or Tyrus or someone stepped in before they it got too deep. And I, and yeah. I think that's what happened. And we'll figure that out uh, next episode. But uh, I mean, we, we pretty much talked about Mike. Let's go right back to Kim. Yeah. yeah. Uh, she she walks in on Saul during the middle of a case. This is the funniest, probably the funniest thing I've ever seen on this show and possibly in TV history. Fooling the plaintiff into pointing out the wrong man when the real suspect is in the back of the room. Yeah, is it? I mean, is that allowed? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I love Saul's uh, comment when he told the judge, he said, you didn't recognize him either, Your Honor. Great. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, was, it was basically like a, you know, it was kind of like Huel doing the phone thing. Uh, yes. 
but it was like a funnier version of that because it wasn't like tragically involving his brother. It, it was, it was ingenious. Um, and, and again, this gives Kim more, uh, more precedence and more credence to call in uh, Saul to, to do her, her deed, you know, her dirty work. She tells, she tells Saul about the Acker case. She wants him in. Saul breaks into <laughs> Mr. Ed. They, they love breaking into his house and Kim, yeah. showed him, Kim showed him how to do it too. But, um, Breaks they knew him. they needed. They fucking got this guy to be in the show. They needed to give him a scene with everybody. Yeah, and he pays a visit to Mr. Acker, where he he brings him a picture of a man fucking a horse. <laughs> uh, Saul says he is the guy who'll do whatever it takes to stick it to the man, and uh, you know we we see you know Saul essentially uh, getting Acker as a client. In which case, I wrote in my notes, "Oh my God, Kim is using Saul to take down Mesa Verde. This is not going to end well. No." Oh yeah, it's it's he, real quick about Kim. Like we've all we've talked about how Saul is a manipulative guy, uh, and you know she, they don't really have the same. Especially after that uh, house shopping scene, they clearly don't have the same you know vision of the relationship. And while Kim is probably more of a victim in the relationship, it is like clearly moving into like a place or slipping back into a place of codependency because this is. Like she ha- she should have gotten out by now, yeah. uh, and or at least knows that she should have. And now that she's using him for a scheme, is like that's now the ball is in her court again. It's not just him doing the the wrong thing. It's in her court, but it's also kind of manipulative on her part as well. It's like he he's he's grifting for love. She's grifting to further her career. Oh yeah, no, I, I, that's what I mean. Like when by ball in her court, I mean like she's, she is, she's grifting. Yeah. Like th- this is essentially the most dangerous scheme that she'll ever try and do because this is, she's shitting where she's eating right now. Essentially, yeah. like she, you don't bring Saul into something unless you wanted to get nuclear fucked up very quickly. Yeah, exactly. he, can, he can do that. And Saul is essentially point of no return. Like there is no return for whatever he thinks about doing because all he thinks about doing is the, literally you know the worst or the best thing like this is the guy who called hank and told him that his wife was in the hospital in order to get yeah. him away. like th- this is how deep this guy goes to, to get things done and i'm just wondering how this will fall back on on kim and saul and you know at what point either they'll recognize that saul and kim are dating or they'll recognize something with hhm like there's something within this episode that we're going to be able to take into the into the future of the season and we're going to say, oh, my God, we should have seen this coming. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So um, let's get to the biggest part of the episode. I think they spent a good 15 minutes here, no commercials, on this scene, scene right here uh, with Gus. Gus, Hank, Gomi, and the dead drops. Yeah, uh, Gus <laughs> abusing workers. Now, this part was so interesting to me. Because you see, you know, he, he's getting passive aggressively upset over like the smallest detail as he's waiting for the call to, to let him know that the, that the dead drop decoy actually worked, right? So yeah. Gus is literally going to, to this guy, I think his name's Lyle, and uh, he keeps telling him like, you know, he, Lyle says, did I do a good job? And he's just like, well, if you think so. And it's like, this is like, have you ever worked in retail, Pat? Uh, yes, I have. This, you, have you ever had a boss like this? Not Really? I mean, every, every retail boss is like this to some extent because uh, they like because of the way retail works and like the boss isn't actually, you know, the person in charge or whatever. They're just like 
in, in Gus's case, that's not really true, but you know, you're supposed to like go above and beyond to like prove that you're worth not working retail, even though like you're also supposed to be subs- like, it's a, it's a very retail work is one of the most fucked up uh, dynamics in, in our culture. I think actually yeah. as somebody who has both worked in retail and spent a lot of time shopping. And even like food service, you know, food service is very, uh, I, I get depressed thinking about how, how fucked up the situation with, with food services is because it is the most backbreaking fucking work, uh, even at low levels. Absolutely. Um, so Lyle, that work, Lyle, Lyle, I feel so bad for him. Just quit, bro. It's not worth it. Um, so Gus is waiting for, uh, the call as Gomi and Hank, they're, they're doing surveillance in the drops. Uh, the pickup guy tries to make a run for it. Of course, we know, or at that point, we don't, but we know that this is essentially going to be a, a decoy. Uh, the, the, he makes a run for it. And you see kind of why Hank was so good at his job, because he goes, you know, above and beyond to catch this guy. And we, we got glimpses of that in Breaking Bad, but we kind of see it full on here where he's literally. Yeah, in, in, his, like, in his career as an agent, Hank does what people want retail workers making $8 an hour to do. <laughs> he he goes he's like nope we're not stopping what's the next thing we're going spelunking we're going into the sewage tunnels we're 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 driving a hundred miles an hour through a dark tunnel like it's halo he doesn't care and all the while gus is like like gus is literally preparing to clean the fryers himself before lao stops him he's like rolling up his sleeves and he's while he's pacing back and forth and yeah sorry sorry go ahead well, I mean, like the beauty of, of having a show in the past is that we get to see Gus where he's not who we see him as. Like we see him as voluble. Like, of course, we've seen him die, but we see him as someone who does get emotional. And, that, and that's yeah. something that we sh- the, the beauty of, of a show like Better Call Saul is that we get to see these characters uh, in new situations. And even though even though we know where it ends up and we know where it goes, it's the, it's the journey to get there. And that's what we've, all, we've always been saying. You know, seeing someone as gut like Gus, who's always like someone who knew that his car was bu- uh, bombed or, or or rigged before he even got to the car. You know this, but this Gus yeah. is way different than, than that Gus. And the only thing, and that's the, totally true. The only thing that I think, or they didn't show us all those moments uh, with Gus on Breaking Bad, but I, I think they mostly are right. The only thing that I think is a little weird is, uh, and it was really magnificently cut. Uh, when Lyle was cleaning the machine or the greaser, the fryer, and uh, Hank and Gomi were driving, like that scene was was really good. Uh, but I don't know, like, other than showing kind of his intensity as a boss, I don't know that uh, Gus keeping the kid there was really necessary. Like, I think some version of the scene where he's cleaning the fryer could also have been pretty cool. But well, I, I option this. I option this. What if Gus was keeping the kid there? as an alibi in case the, in case the, the dead drop thing didn't work. And it, cause I mean, think about it. If that guy gets busted, this is the near, this is the closest way for them to bust Gus at this point. Yeah, that's true. Honestly, that's actually a good point. I mean, I could see them just having, you know, I don't know how they would get there, but I do see how there could be a scene, uh, you know, in two episodes where somebody comes and he's like, no, I was with Mr. Fring, uh, the whole oh, time. That was the night that you and I were here so late cleaning the fryer. Yeah, exactly. I I I I think that there, it's twofold here. It's like he's passive aggressively there doing it, and he's upset. 
Uh, but it's also like maybe he was, you know, and that's the questions we can always ask. You know, they, they, it could come up again. But I, I do agree with you as well. Uh, I think there is a version of this where Gus could have been doing that and we could have been seeing him, you know, cleaning ferociously <laughs> out of nervousness <laughs> to, yeah, you know, exactly. to make sure that this this thing gets cleaned, but more so so he doesn't get caught. Um, so Hank and Gomi, they get $700,000 of Gus's money. I mean, that's so, so much. Gus breaks the phone. Uh, after he's told that, that everything happened and, and everything was a success, he is pissed. And at this point, I know Lalo does not have long for this world. You no, don't, definitely you don't, not. You don't mess with Gus's money. You don't mess with his family. You don't mess with his people. He's going to find you and he's going to kill you. And you got to remember, the Gus here is not the Gus that, could, that literally makes like $10 million a day. Yeah. This, is, this is before the Super Lab. This is before everything gets started. He's still kind of on the low level here. But he is very, very upset. Um, and that is the episode. Yeah. The, oh, the actual ending was the... Uh, it was the mic thing. thing we already talked yeah. about it. Yeah, we talked about it. Yeah, it, it is... Uh, it, it's getting... It, I'd say this episode was a setup episode for, I think, what's coming next. I think next episode is for sure going to be where shit hits the fan, so to speak. Yeah, it was, a, it was a setup episode, but it did a pretty good job of kind of doing it on the sly because of, like, the sequence with the uh, getting the dead drop money and uh it was it was it was it was definitely a, a little bit of moving the pieces but it was a good one yeah i think i still think it's good i i tweeted last night like it's it's really crazy how like vertical Soul is, is is compelling and better than breaking bad to me right now like i'm on the edge of my seat every episode here and have been since season three this is a slow burner though you know this yeah, is a slow burner show is a little more, I would say it's a kind of less edge of your seat than Breaking Bad, maybe. Like Breaking Bad, you turned it on and you were like, okay, I'm going to feel like uh, throwing up for the next hour. This is going to be great. Like it was kind of like uh, an uncut gems type of feeling. Yeah. And this doesn't quite have that, but it has, I would say, uh, people who I'm going to be a lot more sad to see start losing by the end of the show. It, it's really, really, really kind of and i think you will be on the idea seat. oh um, yeah and there, there are plenty of times when i am i mean the sequence even uh with uh the van and the, the the money in this episode was great i don't mean to say that i'm i just mean to a slightly lesser extent than i was at points in breaking bad but of right. course i'm doing that through the lens of you know breaking bad now being over for five years and being like so famous even when it was happening so uh, the next time on, we, we see that, that Mike will find out or see the guy who's taking him there. Not sure who it is yet. Of course, we have our own theories. Uh, it looks as though Saul and Kim are head, head fast into, into breaking into this Mesa Verde thing. However they may do it, I'm pretty sure that Saul has, has an idea of where to go. Uh, we get, I'm sure he, you see him get introduced to Mesa Verde as the, uh, the person who's representing Mr. Acker. Uh, and you know, these, these next time ones aren't very, uh, descriptive, but I think that, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of things happen and we, we do see that I, I believe Mike does call Saul. Yeah. It's going to be great. They get their one interaction a season that they've been yeah. having every yeah. season. Uh, They're going to be all together next season. Oh, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to freaking love it. Uh, but again, very nice episode, very good episode. Uh, cannot wait for next week is episode five. We are nearly halfway there to the end of this season. Um, and, and I think things are going to ramp up, but as always, make sure you let us know your theories and your thoughts are 
at RNC Radio Live on Twitter. Make sure you, you subscribe to RNC Watch on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We're here along with Overly Medicated. We should be returning uh, later this year. Uh, it's a challenge with meals. When, when, when the challenge returns, that will return as well. Of course, Recalling Saul and Late Fees, which will be airing this Friday, barring any coronavirus uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, coronavirus uh, tragedies that, that happen between then. We will be talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles franchise. I have watched all of them. I'm free. I free base them. I will be watching all of them. I still have a few to go, but uh, if you haven't seen any of them, the first, the originals are on Netflix. Yes, absolutely. And the and the last two, the Michael Bay uh, ones, the, which are the ones that we will be focusing on. Uh, they are on uh, streaming services for as low as like three dollars. You can rent both of these terrible movies for six dollars. I'm sorry that you have to do it, but if you want to join along with the show and, and have a, a good laugh with us, then uh, you know those are your options. So until next week for Recalling Saul, I am Justin. That was Pat, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Take it easy.